You may be seated. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we're meeting you in the place of praise and worship, that we're meeting you, Lord, in your word. Father, that we're going to meet you again in that Eucharist. And Lord, we're asking right now, as we're here in your presence, not just the privilege of meeting you, but the opportunity to be changed by you. So Holy Spirit, work in our lives so that we would be made different today as a result of being in your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So great to see people. I have no idea. We have to be patient and slowly do what we're supposed to be doing, but... Uh, Seems like our state is doing something right, and we're getting some things right, and we'll keep that up and slowly begin to be able to gather and meet together and continue in the kingdom vision together that the Lord has for us. And we've entered a season of ordinary time in the church, and the readings lead us towards talking about discipleship, and we've been in Matthew, and we're going to stay in Matthew's gospel. So if you want to do some summer reading, start reading through Matthew's gospel. It's going to keep coming up during ordinary time until we get to Advent. And when uh, uh, that comes, and as we're coming through, there's these snippets in the different chapters where Jesus is teaching his disciples about discipleship and what that's going to look like. And we're going to be looking at that and talking about what does that discipleship look like? What is Jesus teaching his disciples? Because what he's teaching them, he's also teaching us. That's the same message that continues on. And we're in Matthew chapter 11 right now. And we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but just prior to where we began reading in Matthew chapter 11, uh, John the Baptist now has done his job and faithful, and he's been in prison. He's been incarcerated, and he is having a moment of doubt while he's incarcerated. And he sends some of his disciples, his messengers, to go ask Jesus this question. And, you know, are you the one? Are you the one coming? Or should I expect another? And I'm sure for John it was like, Man, did I do all this for nothing? Or are you the one? It's just this moment. We all have those moments. And Jesus sends back a message. He says this in verse 4. Go and tell John things that you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That it was being fulfilled, that he is the Messiah. And it continues in this chapter where Jesus is teaching his disciples and those who've gathered around him. And there's two parties that are always gathered. There are those who are seeking after him for the truth and want to be uh, touched or healed or, or transformed. And then there's the other group who are judging, who are waiting for him to slip up. And those are the Jewish leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are there as well. And you have these two parties going on, these two groups at the same time, whenever he's going somewhere. They're always in the background. They always have a question. And, and that's what's taking place. And he's speaking this word that they would hear this word. And he points out two things. He brings up John the Baptist, and then he's going to bring up, he's talking about himself. And when he brings up John the Baptist, um, basically what he says is that John lived this monastic life, the way that John lived his life. And you rejected him. And Jesus came and appeared to be very sociable, and you rejected him as well. Meaning that you've had both kinds of messages, messengers brought to you, and you've decided to reject both of them. 
John committed his life to the call of preparing those who would hear the, the message of the kingdom of God, that the Messiah was coming. We know that John was strange. He wore camel's hair and he ate the locusts and uh, he lived in the wilderness and uh, his life was committed. That, that monastic life of fasting and praying and just preaching that message. He was radically sold out for the gospel and that's who John was. And, and he preached that message of repentance for those to hear to prepare themselves for the coming of the Messiah. And those who heard John accused him of being a demon. And then you have Jesus, the Messiah. He's come and he's, he's bringing this message of forgiveness and healing. And, and he's accused of being a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of a tax collector, and sinners. So it didn't matter who the messenger was. They were going to reject both messengers. Because they were missing the message. And those who were wise and religious uh, in their leadership, they missed it. And then there were those who were lowly and, and, and they were hearing the truth that it was being revealed to them and they were identifying or recognizing this could be the Messiah or the Messiah has come. So Jesus confronts those things in front of the religious leaders and those who are desiring to follow after him and as all this confrontation goes on and this begins to happen, it begins to unfold, Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And he says this to them. He says, so I'll, I'll just do my version of Jesus. Should I do him as a New Yorker? So! I love that. So, come to me. You know, that's a, but he gives this, come to me. And he says, come to me. And I believe it's right there he paused. This is going on. Two different people groups. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus says, come to me, he is making an invitation. And his invitation is personal. He makes this invitation, come to me. That's a personal invitation that he's inviting each person. That invitation is not to a religion. That invitation is not to a church. It's an invitation to be in a relationship with him. Come to me. He says. He doesn't force them. He doesn't do it with judgment. He does it with love. And he makes this invitation to all those who are weary, heavy burden, come to me. Jesus is calling everyone, every human on the face of this planet needs to respond to that call. Needs to hear that call. And that's what he's doing. He's, he's making an invitation. He's saying, come to me. All of you. All of you who are wearied. All of you who are burdened. Come to me. He brings this invitation. He's calling those who are heavy burdened. This weekend, we celebrated our independence. Privileged to live in the country that we live in. And 
inscribed on the Statue of Liberty is a, a certain inscription. And I was thinking about that and all those who came over for the first time and entering into this country and all seeking after the same things. And there's part of the inscription, which is by Emma Lazarus. And it says this, it says this on the inscription, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Those words echo Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that rest that Jesus is referring to, that rest that we would understand, is actually a refreshing in our lives as we come to him. That he's inviting us in to this relationship with him that we can enter into a place of refreshing as we come into his presence. He makes this invitation for us to come. And that rest is really important for us to understand. And that coming to him is really important for us to understand. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you've made a decision for Christ. You responded. He said, come to me. You said, yes, Lord, I'll come. Which should in return, make you a disciple of Christ. And if you're a disciple of Christ, there's work to do in his kingdom, amen? amen. And, and then for those of us, maybe those who didn't make that decision, we're still trying to navigate through this life. And Jesus is saying that you're going to find this refreshing in me. And that refreshing in me, what that'll do, that enables you, it enables those who are serving, those who are working, to manage the task at hand. Because it will give you renewed vigor and renewed strength to do so. You will not find that renewed vigor or that renewed strength from things in the world. You will only find it in him. And you will look in these different places, but you will not find that. And Jesus goes on to explain. He says, take my yoke upon you. And he says, learn from me. And if you're a disciple, you're a learner of the one who's discipling you. And he says, if you take my yoke upon you, you'll learn from me. Now, I know all of you know what a yoke is, right? Because you do a lot of farming in your backyard, and there's a lot of yokes to be had, and it's not the thing in the egg that he's talking about, you know? Maybe a little later we're going to scramble some of them up. But, that, but that there's a yoke, and it would be very familiar to those who are fishermen and farmers, and you would see that on a regular basis. And if you want to go see one of those, you probably have to go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you can see the Amish out there working, and you'll see a yoke at hand. But, but that's what a yoke looks like. And a yoke has a specific purpose. That, that, that yoke that we come to, or that he's explaining is this common cross piece of wood. And it's fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to a plow that is pulling a cart behind it. And when he says, my yoke, he's talking about that understanding or the imagery or that we would get that analogy of what he's talking about. That, that, that these two animals come together and they come into this yoke to pull the plow behind them. See, every one of us are yoked to something in our life. And what we are yoked to is what will lead us. All of us are yoked to something in our life. And what you're yoked to is what will lead you. 2 Corinthians 6.14, which is a, a favorite verse for when you're doing pre-cana or you're talking about relationships or, or pre-marriage 
And, and we bring up this verse, but it means far more than that, what was being explained. And it says this, do not be, equal, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Now, of course, it's not saying that as Christians, we don't have fellowship with unbelievers. But if your life is yoked to unbelievers and not to Christ, then that's what leads you. And Jesus gives us a call and a command to go into all the world and make disciples. So obviously, we're called to be that witness of who he is. And we're called to be yoked to him. And we're called to tell others about that good news that they too can find peace and rest and learn from him if they will yoke their lives to him. If they'll come into that relationship with who he is. But, but if we're yoking our lives to a place of, of unbelievers and we've not yoked our life to him, it's the, that place that will drive us further from that relationship of who he is and further from following his plan and will for our lives. See, if you're yoked to fear, fear will lead you. If you're yoked to Anxiousness, anxiousness will lead you. And if you're yoked to a sin that you haven't surrendered in your life, it's going to be that sin that leads you. And the problem is that, that we all have to be yoked to something. And Jesus is saying that we're called to be yoked to him. See, but for us, and I think here's where the problem lies, is that we want to believe we don't need any help or anyone in our yoke. And we put the yoke on ourselves and we put the cart behind us and we take all our problems and we put them into the cart, all the situations, all the circumstances. And then we put on the yoke and then we get the cart behind us. And you ever notice when you're doing it yourself, it's always uphill? It's never like a downhill moment. It's like, does this thing ever stop? It just keeps going uphill. And we put that yoke on ourselves and, and we've got crisis and circumstance and financial difficulties, relationship difficulties, sin in our life. And we fill that cart up and we wake up every morning and we put on the yoke and we just start heading uphill. No, no, I don't need any help. I got this. I'm good. And we keep going because we think we can do it in our own strength. And it's impossible to do it in our own strength. Problem is, for many of us, we find our identity in the problem. That we recognize it's in that stuff I've collected is who I am, and that's not true. And that's why Jesus is saying, be yoked to me. See, when you're yoked to Jesus, what that yoke does, it levels the playing field, it equals the load, that no longer one is pulling it. And all of a sudden, that now you have someone who's coming alongside of you, which is him, who's going to relieve that heaviness and that burden, and is going to help pull through those life situations and our circumstances, that he's going to relieve that burden in our lives, that we won't have to be fearful or anxious or, or whatever those things are going on in the world. Jesus is saying that, that you would be yoked to me, but if we're yoked to the things of this world, those things in this world will bring us down. Those things in this world will be burdensome. 
And Jesus says, you have a choice. Be yoked to those things or be yoked to me. Be yoked to him. And if you're yoked to him, you will find rest and you will find a refreshing in him. You will not find it in the world. Yet we yoke ourselves to things all the time in the world. And we're wondering what the problem is. For some of us, we've become addicted to the news. And what I can tell you is that's poisoning you. And it's just yoking your mind to the things that are going on. And 99.9.999% of it is just chaos. If you want to find the truth, it's right here. He'll bring you that truth. And, and yet, there's these things in the world, and they're not the things that are going to give us strength. They're the things that are going to deplete us. And we keep yoking ourselves to them. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, not once. Come to me moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour. Come to me, and I'll bring you rest. Come to me problems and troubles in our culture, come to me. Problem and trouble in relationships in your life, come to me. Problem with strongholds in your life that can't be broken, come to me, Jesus says. And I will refresh you. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it's after Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit has fallen upon the disciples. The promise that God gave, that I will give you a great power, And you'll do greater things as a result of it. And the disciples went fearful, anxious, not knowing what's next, scared for their lives. If they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to us? And they wait. And as they're waiting and praying and worshiping, the Spirit of God falls upon them. Do you know that same Spirit and power is alive and working today if we so choose to walk in it? That it's not a power that was for once and all. It's a power that's eternal. And the Spirit is being poured out each and every day of each and every moment. And the Spirit was poured out upon the disciples. And they're filled with the Spirit. And they go out and they begin to speak in different tongues. And and different interpretations are understood. And and the, the anointing is on Peter. And Peter begins to preach the gospel about the kingdom of God. About who this Jesus is. And about what you need to do to understand this good news. And all these different tribes and tongues were gathered around the Passover at this time in Jerusalem. And he's preaching the gospel message. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 3 verse 19. He says, hey, repent. Well, that doesn't sound fun. He says, repent, therefore be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Because Jesus is saying, come to me. And we can't come to him with the cart and all the things that we're putting in the cart unless we say, I turn from them. And saying, Lord, I'm not carrying this, Lord. I need your help to relieve this burden, to lift this thing. And he will. He takes the yoke. And he puts it on and he eases that burden. And if we're desperately looking for the refreshing, Jesus is saying, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is saying, come to me and you'll learn and be that student. And I will teach you and I will lift that heaviness, those burdens. And as disciples, we're called to come to him and learn from him. We're called to align our lives to him and who he is. And then we're called to share in that relationship with who he is and share with that relationship with others of who he is. 
See, those who bear Christ's yoke will know rest in the center of their being. And that's how other people should identify us. Someone should look at you and go, why are you so peaceful? What is your problem? You act like you don't have a care in the world. Versus, why are you so cranky? You're supposed to be a Christian. I think one day I'm going to write about cranky Christians. That's going to be a... But this peace should be upon us. and Others should see that, that, that Christ is in the center of our being because we responded. And he said, come to me. And we said, yes. And that continual coming to him. And, and, and we've committed our lives to him. That when we yoke our lives to Christ, that we don't have to feel or worry anymore. Amen? Amen. And that's the decision that we have to make. Our commitment to our Savior means that we recognize Jesus is sovereign. We recognize his sovereignty, which is his power, his dominion over all. And if I'm going to yoke my life to something, that's the thing I want to yoke my life to. I don't need to yoke it to anything else. Let's see, false promises from the things in this world or the one who has dominion over heaven and earth? Hmm, tough decision. But yet we do that. But I'll choose Jesus, his power, his might, that he wants me to rest in, that he wants me to come to, that he wants all of us to come to, to yoke our lives to that. See, the Lord will never call us beyond the strength he's given us. And that strength comes from being yoked to him. That strength comes from being in that relationship to him. Jesus continues to make that invitation. Come to me. It's personal and it's intentional. Why? Because he loves us. And as disciples of Christ, we're treasured not only to the service of Christ, but to the joy in doing so. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So Father, we just ask right now, Lord, we've been pulling that card on our own. Lord Jesus, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So Father, we ask right now, come into our lives. Teach us to respond to that call of come to me and let our lives be aligned to your life. That you'll lift those burdens, Lord, that we'll find joy in the midst of things that are chaotic. We'll find rest and peace and that we'll learn from you. Help us, Lord, to be led by you. Now, if you're here and it begins with that relationship with him, come to me is personal and you got to make a decision. And what I can tell you is that when you respond to that decision, by grace, through faith, he makes a way to have this relationship regardless of how we come. He doesn't care how you come, but he just asks you to come. And we've got to make a decision whether or not we will. But what I could tell you is that when you make that decision, it's not just temporal, it's eternal. And he makes an eternal invitation to be in his perfect peace and love. Father sent his son, and we've got to recognize who he is, the sovereign one. And he calls us to that relationship. And each one of us have to make a decision of whom I'm going to serve, whom I'm going to follow. If you'd like to know him that way, he's calling you to come right now. And I just want to pray with you. So I want you to close your eyes right now, and if you want to pray with me to know him that way, 
Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to let me know after the service, let one of the ushers know, one of the clergy know. Just let us know why. I want to help you on this journey and show you how you can yoke your life to him and how your life will be radically different from this moment forward. Amen? Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Now give our new way of saying peace with one another, sharing the sign of God's peace. peace. We're going to continue to worship the Lord right now in taking up our offering. And we've set up some baskets that if you want to place your offering into the basket, you could uh, do so by uh, bringing it forward. Um, you could also use the app or go on our website or on the online campus and you could give electronically. So let's worship the Lord in our offering. Let's walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all.